All right, that's encouraging. All right, thanks, Cornelius. Have we got any hotter in here? I was getting ready to uh, see Cornelius transformed into Teddy Pendergrass. All it's going to take is one more button. You see when he comes in what I'm talking about. I knew it wasn't worth saying anything else until he came back in, so I'm not. <laughs> uh, t- today is, today's a fantastic day. I don't know if it was Hallmark or some other uh, money-making machine that came up with it, but we're glad they did because it's a, it's a day where we can honor mothers and, uh, and praise God for that. The, the world needs to be able to see God desperately. And I believe that we get to see God more than we know through mothers. And what if it was the case that moms are giving the world a glimpse of God? What if it were the case that moms are designed by God in such a way that the world can see God Uniquely through moms. What if there's nothing ordinary about being a mom? Even though every one of us has had one, it's something much more than ordinary. But for you as a mom sitting here, it's probably very easy for you to miss the real effect that you have in the world. But when you protect... You're displaying a God who protects. When you teach, you're displaying a God who teaches. When you comfort, when you love, when you listen, when you counsel, when you feed, when you care, when you carry, when you nurture, you're displaying a God who does all those things. And when you do those things that you always do, You're doing more than you realize. You're showing the world a portrait of God. God does that for us in Scripture. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you and you will be comforted, says God through the prophet Isaiah. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born, Isaiah continues? Though she may forget, I'll never forget you. See, I've engraved you in the palms of my hands. Hosea says, like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will protect you. Or as we just read, as we study out the book of Luke, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. God is willing, as a mom is willing, always willing, to gather us back. It's astounding 
The capacity for forgiveness that moms have. The capacity of patience and love. When you think there is no more that I could do against my mom right now. But I'm going to go ahead and do it, I bet, this week. And to know that a week from now, she's still going to be my mom. And still going to be overjoyed with tears of joy when I come back. Wow, what moms are. Now, we're going to take a moment to, to be able to honor moms right now, but it's also a difficult time, even as we shared in the welcome. You know, it's difficult because some of you have had moms that you've lost even in this year. And that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, who loves you more than your mom? And to be able to try to really grieve through a mom is, is, is one of the most difficult tasks that we have. Or it may be that some of you need to silence your phones. <laughs> but but on, a, on a more somber note, it may be that um, really one of the toughest things of Mother's Day, like all holidays, is, is when we have difficulties. And, and, and some right here in, in our number, you've had difficulty even trying to be a mom, whether it's. The, the difficulty of conception or, or just the way that, that life has played itself out. Uh, in, in some cases, we, we applaud you because in some cases, you've chosen to be yoked to Jesus rather than compromise what it is in a relationship all for the sake of perhaps being a mom someday. And you chose to be equally yoked only to one of Jesus. So as I'm, I'm about to ask some of you all to stand up, but, uh, but it's not just the moms that I'm asking you to stand up. But if you have in any way been a mom to our kingdom kids, been a mom to, the, to students, been a mom as a coach, been a mom as a mentor, if you've been a mom, then we know that the way that God has fashioned you has shown the world, shown those children a portrait of God, and we salute you. So if the moms could please stand up. We have a, a little gift of a flower we'd like to be able to give you now. Thank you for showing us God. One of the eye-opening encouragements of studying out the book of Luke, as we've been doing as a fellowship this year, is... And I would imagine this is so much more alarming if you're a first century leader, uh, reader to open the book of Luke and to see such a balance of examples that Luke provides, not just of men, but then turns right around and provides an equally laudatory example from a woman. That would have been very odd. And it is part of the groundbreaking countercultural initiative that Christianity brought into the first century world. And in Luke 15, we have three stories. story of a lost sheep and a shepherd who runs after it. We have the story, the famous story of a lost son and a father who re-embraces him. But in between the two of them, we have a story that we're going to read today. It's a story of a lost coin and a mom with care who searches for it. Let's pray together and then we'll read this story. God, what a joy to be able to be together, to celebrate you, to be able to see you through Jesus, but also to recognize that we see you 
more than just a glimpse through all the moms that you've put in our life. Thank you for the very and many different moms who have loved so selflessly, so sacrificially. We're blessed by it so dearly. Thank you, God. But God, now help us especially to see you through your word, through the means that you've ordained for us to be able to know you, for your words to come piercing into our conscience, our existence, our understanding, and opening up for us the beautiful picture that is you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, well, we're not looking at the parable of the lost son. A son who comes home. If we were, I might have mentioned something about Ben Dunn and a few other things there. But nonetheless, you can say hi to him after service. Good to have you back, Ben. Uh, Ben's in, in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. He's not been like, you know, off in some sin state coming back. Uh, we're going to be looking at this parable of the lost coin. And the other day, something that I did that either showed me that I'm becoming just a grisly old man or I've, I've lost my enjoyment of, of little serendipities of life. But I was leaving 7-Eleven and as I was leaving, I heard a little jingle on the ground as I was walking out and, and I had dropped a coin. And I looked down and it was a dime because I thought if it's a penny, I'm just walking on. But it was a dime. And it was shiny and it was nice and it was a dime. And I did something I've never done before in my life. I looked at it, did a quick evaluation in my head and said, it's not worth it. <laughs> I know, right? Like, what have I become? I'm thinking like, I, you know, who knows what my hip's going to do if I go get this. And, and honestly... In my mind, I thought, if it were a nickel, at least there's a little bit of a ridge so I can get it nice and easy. You know, a dime, I might be down there for a while, people looking at me as I'm trying, you ever try to get a dime off the ground? It's not an easy thing. I mean, you've got to be fully committed to that dime to get down on that cement and get that dime back up. But I did. I was like, oh my goodness, how jaded have I become? I got this little, not even just a penny from heaven, I got a dime from heaven, and I'm like... Yeah, who can bother? Off I go. And, and it's in distinction to me that we see this picture here in Luke 15, verse 8. Suppose a woman, and the word here is gune, which is also the word that would be the, the, the woman of the house, the, the wife, the mom, that, that is in view here. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins. Now, these coins, it just says coins in the NIV, uh, probably in the King James and some of the older translations may actually say drachma, which is actually the Greek word, drachma, that is behind this. What's that worth? More than a dime. It's worth maybe about 150 bucks in today's money. So it's a good chunk of change, right? If I saw that, I probably would have bent down. <laughs> but this is, this is what is inside here. It's a coin worth about a day's wage, and she loses one. She has ten. It goes on to say, well, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, 
She calls her friends and neighbors together. In the Greek, friends and neighbors are all, uh, you know, in other languages, you have feminine and masculine and neuter nouns. These are all feminine. So she's calling all of her girlfriends, all of her neighbors that are women, uh, over to the house. It's like, you know what, girlfriends? We're going to have a party. Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. As we look at this passage, it's a beautiful passage. It's a passage not only about where it is that we can get, but it's a passage of how it is that God views us when we get to those places. But the picture of God that is repeated in the three different parables is a picture that should take our breath away, knowing that we've got such an amazing, patient, loving, long-suffering God who's got you in the crosshairs of His scope. And even in this picture of a mom, as a mom who is not going to take her eyes off of you because of the great love that she has for you. But this coin, for sure, has rolled into, or probably tumbled into, they weren't really round coins, so they didn't really roll at that point, but it has tumbled into some sort of a dark, nasty, dirty, shameful place. And it's exactly what we do as we run from God. And I've got two points today. My first point is, this is where you are. It's not who you are. This mom had ten coins. And it's not as though she said, well, that one coin... It's in some filth, muck, nasty gook in the darkness. I, you know what? I got nine others. I, let me just run with that. That's not how you're viewed by God. Right. Wow. No matter where you are right now, no matter how dark and dirty and shameful it may have become, no matter what you've slid into, half step by half step by half step, places that you thought, you know what? Oh my goodness, I'm trying to live for Jesus. But here I am right now. I never thought that I'd make these kind of choices. I sure, certainly didn't aspire to it. And, and here you end up. And I'm not sure where, where it is that you might be. But as God is considering you right now, and He is, as God is observing you right now, and He is, you have not changed in your value to God whatsoever. No matter how repulsive it is of what you've gotten into. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what that is. That value of that coin has not changed at all. And God's value, how He perceives you, has not changed at all. If anything, God is just bummed that you've ended up in a place where you do not belong. You were made for greater things. And as you sit here right now, maybe trying to wrestle with some ugliness that's gone on in the past four or five days, some secrets that have piled up and have really kind of caught you and allowed Satan to get in there and start whispering about how you're unworthy, how you're worthless, 
How can a God love you after what you've done to Him? All the accusations that Satan wants to bring your way. This parable blows them up. Because your value did not change. It's not as though your, your drachma got stronger or weaker on the exchange rate. You're still full value. Full value in the way that God has always made you, remade you, and considered you. You are His precious possession. And, yeah, you may be in a mess. You, you may have stuff that needs to come out and get clean. You should not stay behind that dirt, dirty, nasty dresser in the midst of the cobwebs and whatever else is there. The only benefit to it is you finally found where those two missing socks were. And, of course, they don't match. That's all the benefit that comes from that. But God sees you through the eyes that you don't necessarily see yourself through right now. And He sees you as shining and beautiful and valuable. And He cannot forget you no matter what. You were made fearfully and wonderfully by God. You were knit together in your mother's womb, Psalm 139 tells us. You're like, well, then why did God make me this way? You know why? Because He's made you just the right way so that you could best be in a position to actually need Him. If you were any bit more all that, the chances of you becoming arrogant and not feeling as though you desperately need God would skyrocket. And any less, maybe there could be a bitterness that could come in and take you away from uh, an appreciation of a God who has made you just so. He's done all of this just for this present age. It's a mist. It's a temporary condition. We're going to be entering into the age to come. New bodies, new everything. Amen for all of that that's coming our way. And all of creation groans for that. But in the meantime, God's big deal is, I got to reconcile you back to myself, says God. That's the big thing. Now, I've, I've ended up in some dark places. I've studied the Bible with people in some dark places. And I'm astounded how God has been so patient. So patient with me. So patient with so many of my friends. So, many, so, so patient with some of you. As you sit here now, probably our hair would all curl if it could happen for some of us. If you stood up and shared exactly how dark and dirty and shameful it was. I know for me, the thing that, I mean, that really just pierces at my heart still, and yet God still chose me, is that he disrupted my life at the very time that I had crossed the line and kissed a girl outside of marriage. Happy hour, drunkenness, flirting, and, and ultimately engaging in, in physical affection. And I thought, wow, I've gotten to a place that I never thought I would have gotten to. You know, hand in head, this is, this is where my life has come to. I'm all about my selfish ambition. I'm all about my career track. I'm all about me, 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 me. I am so anathema to a, to a holy and loving God. And it's at that very week, that very moment, 
that he put somebody in my path and everything changed. He, he allowed me to break out of my kind of lame attempts at religion and allowed the Bible to pierce through and really captivate my imagination, really be put into practice and deliver me from a ball of frustration that was my life. One of my uh, dear friends in Northern Virginia, when, when Deb and I were serving in the ministry up there, his name's Jack, and I've, I've told his story, uh, I know, a couple years ago, but I remember studying the Bible with Jack and being a bit intimidated because he was an older man, he was religious, and he played guitar at his church, and, you know, he always talked about God, but it was only stuff like, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. You know, it was just platitudes, this just kind of general religious-y, syrupy, type conversation about God. And, you know, the Bible studies seemed like they were going well, and he seemed to be eager to study and to really commit himself to really practicing the discipleship of Christ. And, and I was like, well, you know, if, if you really want to see the breakthrough, you're going to have to take a look at sin because grace only has its effect when we appreciate our sin. And, you know, he was hesitant, but we ended up making our way through that. And then it stalled. And then it stalled. And then it stalled. And I'm like, ah, oh, Jack, what's going on? Why are you resisting? And I didn't know what God knew. But Jack's two sons were repentant disciples of Jesus Christ. And they had a sense that something was up with God. Something was up with Dad. And that maybe where he is, is darker and dirtier than they had ever imagined. And maybe even more shameful. And they, they noticed that there was some pornography. And they didn't know that their dad... You know, Mr. You know, band leader at the Baptist Church, uh, that 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 he would have pornography. And they thought, well, maybe that's it, and maybe it's something else. They didn't know, but they decided that they would come and they sat with him and they pleaded with him, please stop playing church, please decide to really allow yourself to know the grace that God wants for you. Please open yourself up to the Holy Spirit's working of repentance. And not some lame communal version of repentance where you just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry I got caught. Uh, please help my life not to be too discomforted because I've done bad. That's not repentance. Repentance is, a, as it says, over one sinner repents. Repentance is a blow away, mind altering shift of understanding everything through a new lens and thus living on a completely different path. Because all of your appetites and affections and agenda and allegiances and other A-words have all changed. I'm sure there are other A-words. And, and, and so they sat at Jack's feet after really pleading with him. And they sat at his feet and they prayed on their knees for their dad. And the Holy Spirit melted his heart. And the next time that we came together... I was astounded at the power of God's love, his patience, and how he continued to see Jack through a lens that was so much more positive than Jack ever saw himself. Jack felt like he had completely corrupted his life, that he was just going to have to ride it out, and then I guess, you know, hope for the best, but probably go to hell. Despite all the religious trappings and accoutrement that were about him, and then, but he got real and he decided I'm going to be courageous and not just keep on keeping on this life of quiet desperation. I'm going to disrupt it and allow the Holy Spirit to have his say. And he got open. And it wasn't just some pornographic videos and magazines. 
Jack had a whole separate identity, a whole separate family. He lived in Northern Virginia, and you know, Virginia and Maryland are right next to each other. Over in Maryland, he had a whole nother family, a whole nother child, and a, and a relationship and a family that he was taking care of there. And, and his wife never, ever, ever knew it. Just always felt like that's what his, his work took him to. That's what he had to do. And he was a man with a fear of the Lord, having laid all of that out. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Yeah. And by finally getting real and getting open, suddenly the floodgates of grace were applied to him. He saw things through a completely different lens, unlike he had ever seen them before. His strategy for life completely blown up. And now, just God, consider my humble estate and, and please have mercy on my soul. And, and even to us, people that he had been defensive with, and, you know, who, what are you trying to tell me about, you know, what, all of a sudden it was, please, if you can help me through. I mean, that kind of humility changes everything. And most importantly, deep down, he actually realized, wow, God still values me. And he does you as well. No matter how dark and dank and nasty and despicable and shameful it is, no matter what it is, if you want to really pursue repentance, I'm, ta I'm not talking jive poser repentance. God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you, God, for having mercy on me. And oh, okay, I hope that was enough of a whitewash to squelch whatever it was that I did there. No, no, I'm talking about really, truly being set free. If, if, if you want that to be the case, know that you have a God who views you as who it is that you really are. You don't need to be the jive corruption of the creation that he made. You can be all it is that you were always meant to be. Your destination, your destiny is glory. Glory in Jesus. And it awaits. And my second point, God's not backing off until you're back. You can fight it. You're like, oh, you know what? Wow, those words, that insight that Jesus gives us on God through this parable. Oh, it's piercing my heart, but ah, maybe tomorrow. I don't know if I'm up for this. I got a lot going on. Stuff going on at work. Stuff going on at home. I got Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. If, if you really want to grieve the Holy Spirit, make it about dragging your feet right now. Please, don't let God's mercy and patience and grace be all for naught. Romans 2.4 says something pretty remarkable. God's patience is meant to lead us to repentance, not towards procrastination. And if God's patience is opening the door for procrastination, then you are warping the very love of God versus what it was, what it is that he really wants for you. So here it says that doesn't she leave the 99, go after the lost sheep? I'm sorry, doesn't she, doesn't she, doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully? How long? Until she finds it. How long is God going to have you in his crosshairs of that site? Until he finds you. He's not backing off. He's not backing off until you come back. But, but I love what it says here. 
and search carefully. That word is epimelos, and it's the it come, the, the root of it is, is melos, and it comes from caring, nurturing concern. Think of a mom taking care of you when you were sick as a little kid. Think of you taking care of, of your little ones when they're, when they're ill or when they're hurting or when they've been bullied or whatever it might be. And that, that beautiful embrace of the mom. This is, this is not God running you down with the hound dogs and the pitchforks and, and the, the lanterns to try and take you and punish you. This is a God who knows that you're in a bad way right now. You're hurting and you're only hurting yourself worse and worse. And as a mom cares, so he cares, cares tenderly, cares tenderly for you, and all that he hopes to have in terms of exposure and reconciliation and being brought back is born out of a heart that I just want to take care of you. I just want to embrace you again. Please let me have you back in my arms again. And stop running the other way. And it's a, it's a beautiful depth of care uh, that's, that's being described here. It's a, it's a woman, the mom of the house, lighting a lamp, getting down on the floor, taking a broom, which would probably be made of, of some sort of a palm branch, sweeping everywhere in the house because she values you that much. And she's not going to stop until you're really found. It's also, by the way, as, as we've been reconciled to God, what we need to be doing for the people that God has put in our life. We're born of the Holy Spirit. We're in alignment with God's will. We have the mind of Christ, no longer the mind of flesh. And it ought to be the case with that same sort of energy that a mom displays as we get glimpses of God, with that sort of love that just overcomes any obstacles, most especially sleep. Oh, my goodness. I mean, so sometimes, you know, we, we just kind of chalk it up to, well, I guess moms are just hardwired that way. It's sad, right? I mean, if a dad changes a diaper, it's like the world falls down in appreciation. <laughs> Whoa! I heard that dad changed a diaper. Man, hey, check you out. Man, look at you. Wow. I, oh, that's so encouraging. I know if a dad has a baby in a little like baby bureau, oh, look at that, isn't that cute? If a mom does that, nobody even notices. Well, yeah, of course, right? I guess that's the bad part of being so good at being so loving and caring. But in the same way that we could take moms for granted in that, we do it with God. He loves you. He's caring for you. This searching carefully for you is not something that we ought to start to take for granted. This ought to blow us away. That the creator of all the universe has considered you as his own special possession, and he lavishes all that on you. Just as a mom stays up, stays up all night taking care of a sick baby, just as a mom changes the diapers, just as a mom is holding the pail as that poor kid with a GI tract issue is filling up that pail as she's holding it and rubbing the back and being able to, to, to give loving words all through the night. That's the love that God wants to show to you. If only you'll just stop in your tracks and realize 
Oh, oh, he's not stopping. He's not stopping until this thing really is brought back around. So on this Mother's Day, be amazed by moms, but let it only point you towards an amazing God, an amazing Christ who sheds his own blood for our return. What more is it that, that, that he could do? But here's what I want this to really count for in our lives. Every one of us, I bet, has ended up in a place that's darker and dirtier and more shameful than we want to really admit. If you want to be all the more renewed, and even if you don't want to be, because it's right for you, then grab somebody and share, you know what, here's where I've been. Here's where I've been, and it's time for me to come back out in the light, to come back out in the place where it's clean. I am worth more than where it is that I've been. I need to come out. I need to come out and recognize the embrace that God has in store for me. And if you don't feel as though you really felt the embrace of God, this is probably a bit why. And if you want to know the embrace of God, and you want to know what it's like as it says here, hey, in the same way, there's rejoicing in the presence of angels over one sinner who repents. Not only will you know that greater intimacy with God, but you will set off in the moment that you decide to be courageous rather than cowardly, when you decide to be God-focused rather than self-focused and trying to manage your own reputation for the sake of Satan, but, but rather to do it for the sake of Christ. The minute that that all comes, not only does the love of God get poured out on you, but in a kind of transcendent understanding of the realities of the kingdom of God, all the angels, and there are trillions of angels according to Revelation, trillions of angels over you will jump into a joyous celebration. Whooping it up because that's how much you're worth. You want to put all that in practice? Come out of the dark, come out of the dirt, and celebrate with God. Amen. Amen.